Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 8.55 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It's the 23rd of May, 2023. This is episode 732 of Bitcoin, and I got my son on Noster last night. Yes, I did. Uh, he's a little on the on the younger side, but this whole notion of protecting children against anything that is potentially harmful, I, I don't know if I agree with it. I, I mean, I see where the sentiment comes from, and I don't discount the fact that online there are dangers out there that are horrible. And bad things have, in fact, you know, happened to real people and have affected their lives negatively, and in some cases forever, and in other cases even worse. But here's my, here's my thinking. This technology should be learned as soon as humanly possible, right? Bitcoin, Lightning, Noster, God forbid artificial intelligence because it's these things are not going away. And and that's see that's the the catch on all of this stuff. If you can identify even if you don't like it, if you can identify something that's not going away, then that's probably something that you and others should probably get comfortable using even if you don't like it or don't agree with it. Because one of the most dangerous things is to be ignorant about something that is not going to go away. Noster is not going away. Some people have been complaining, oh, there's less activity on Noster than there was a month ago. That's true. Yeah, I, I've, I've seen a, a pretty good size fall off in the amount of people coming into Noster, saying hello. I've seen less and less people posting. I haven't even seen my buddy Maple Trade, <clears throat> uh, Nerds, at Nerds, who sells really good maple syrup and his sister Sarah's soaps, but I haven't seen him uh, post anything in like a week, maybe even a little bit longer. I don't know, you know, it's not that I don't know what's going on. I, I think I do. I think that new technologies have these slumps and rises and slumps and rises. It's like bear markets and bull markets. It's the same. It's the same cycle. Nothing is different, whether it's Bitcoin and the price or the stock market and its market cycles, the economy and its general market cycles. Everything has a cycle, right? Technology is no different. Why? Because we all exist within the same rule with the same rules of creation. Like I've said it a couple of times, I'll say it again, at the very beginning of the universe, big, you know, we're talking like right at the Big Bang, the first four forces of physics were put into place. And those are the rules that we all live by, whether you're a tree, a rock, 
a, a carbon atom floating around in the in the atmosphere, oxygen, a sun, distance, time, all of that shit comes out of gravitational force, force number one, the electromagnetic force, force number two, the strong force, three, and the weak force, four. Within those four forces, everything was created. It fall, everything follows those rules. How would you find something in the universe that are governed by those four rules that don't follow the four, four rules? They have to. So therefore, everything's a fractal. It's a pattern of the same pattern, just either bigger or smaller, that builds the tapestry of existence. So it's not any wonder whatsoever for me that we've seen a dip in, in people using Noster. It'll come back up. Why? Because of the four rules of the universe. That's, that's why. That said, <clears throat> my son's handle is Harold, H-E-R-A-L-D, on Noster. And if you want to give him a zap, you want to talk about somebody who was really appreciating zaps last night. Oh my God, dude. <laughs> it was freaking awesome to watch him get zapped the second that I put his name out there. And then when he woke up this morning, because I think he went to bed with 150 Satoshis coming from zero. And I didn't seed his wallet with anything but a single zap, you know, 21, 21 Satoshis. He went to bed with like 150. He woke up with 6,000. <laughs> and that's the number that he looks at. He's looking at it through, you know, a child's eyes. He's, he, the, he's the, one of the only people that didn't automatically look down and see what the, uh, you know, in the Get Albi wallet to see what uh, cash equivalent that was, you know, in fiat terms. He was just like, wow, look how many more Satoshis I've got. We probably should all be more... <laughs> Be more like that. Be a little bit more childlike because there's a lot of, lot of crap. But here's the two takeaways. Well, there's two takeaways. One is, is that he lights up when, when he gets zapped. So if you guys want to zap the living crap out of him while he's at school, when he comes home, I'm pretty sure he's going to be really, really happy. Second, and this is the most important, his immediate view of Noster is that everyone is so nice. Now, this is a this is a kid that I've allowed to play some online games and and he gets mad. Why does he get mad? Because some people are so mean on the other end. They're just mean, and I can hear it sometimes, and he gets really upset. And the lesson here is that I try to teach him is that he's going to have to deal with people for the rest of his life unless he decides to become a hermit. And, you know, decides to go into hermitage, which sometimes I threaten to do on several occasions. But I don't think it's a, I don't think that's the, the best course of action. <clears throat> Here, this is why I put him on, this is one of the reasons why I'm, I'm less worried about him being on Noster. Yes, I know. I've told him to stay away from the global feed. If for those of you guys that are screaming at me. Does that mean that he will? Of course not. You tell a kid not to do something, what are they going to do? So all I can really do is kind of guide him as he works through this. But the technology is important enough. You know, the way that these things are shifting, it's important enough that I want him to know about it. So for all of you, anybody who's out there who's screaming at me, oh, you shouldn't do that. Well, I'm doing it. 
because this is important enough. These technologies, as they as my kids are growing up, these technologies are also growing up. In fact, my daughter was born in 2009. Do the math. Never seen a day that Bitcoin wasn't in existence. Never seen a day. There's almost no reason I can think of at all not to be exposing my kids to these things. Thankfully, all of you guys over on Noster are really nice, except sometimes when, when I get on there and I decide to be a dick, and I'm still apologizing for that one. But be that as it may, it's not like any other place that I've ever been. If you're not on Noster yet, really, you're going to need to do this. You're going to need to learn the private public key pair management because if you're not somehow or another, if you're still not into Bitcoin and you're listening to this, this is a good training ground to get used to how that works without risking any capital whatsoever, except of course your social capital. Now let's do some news. We're going to start with the ledger delay. Decrypt.co, Jose Antonio Lenz tells us that, oh, wait a minute, hold on. I am on the wrong, I'm on the wrong thing. I need to do this one first. Ledger. Yes, here we go. This is Stacy Elliott writing for Decrypt. Ledger delays plans for private key recovery service following controversy. Well, of course. After a week of vicious backlash from the crypto community, hardware wallet company Ledger has delayed the release of its private key recovery service. Quote, we've heard your feedback on Ledger Recover, the company said from its main Twitter account yesterday, announcing plans to host a town hall over Twitter spaces, of course, because we just never are ever going to be able to get away from Twitter. At 12 p.m. Eastern, Today, which is Tuesday, May the 23rd. So Twitter Spaces, 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Tuesday, May the 23rd. On Tuesday morning, Ledger Chief Technology Officer Charles Gilmit said on Twitter that the company has decided to accelerate our open sourcing roadmap to bring more verifiability to everything that we do. A graphic he shared showed that a white paper on the recovery protocol would be made available in the coming days. Should have been done right at release. Ledger debuted Ledger Recover last week. The company described as an optional subscription for users who want a backup of their secret recovery phrase, adding that it would not be automatically enabled by any firmware updates on the company's devices. The idea was to make it so that owners of Ledger wallets could recover their private key if it became otherwise lost. But the company immediately came under fire from users. Broadly speaking, crypto wallets require a public-private key pair, just like Noster, to authorize transactions. The public key is what shows up in the blockchain data, but it alone can't be used to access funds without the private key that it's connected to. That private key needs to be kept secure to stop people from making unauthorized transactions. Up until recently, users of Ledger hardware wallets were under the impression that it was impossible for the private key stored on their devices to leave them. One of the key complaints made last week about Ledger's new service was that if any Ledger wallet could potentially have the feature enabled, it amounts to an attack vector. The community has been in an uproar what the feature would mean for the security of their Ledger hardware wallets, even if it was not enabled. The company has made attempts to assure its users that their private keys and crypto funds remain safe, but critics say Ledger's communication efforts remain lacking. That's really where all this boils down to was the way that Ledger 
handled the release of the information and then went on to how they handled the primary backlash that they received from it. And they failed in every single possible way that you can fail when it comes to public relations, crafting of announcements, and allowing people that were, there were at least one person in the company that as far as I can tell is not C-suite level, just went ahead and tweeted something out that the company had to go and get him to delete. So there's a deleted tweet out there that basically did not help. In fact, it threw more gasoline onto the fire. This is not the way to handle relations. And I think a lot of, I think we we might immediately blame corp, corptocracy or the corporate culture for designing our lives in a way that we depend on these communications. And I don't think that that's what it is. Humans have been communicating ideas with each other since we came out of the trees and were able to gurgle certain sounds at each other that sounded like other sounds. So it doesn't really matter if it's a corporate, whether you're talking to somebody about something that happened, you know, and you're talking to somebody in your own family, it doesn't matter. How you handle the dissemination of information is critical. And Ledger failed. Ledger just failed. Now, will I ever use Ledger? No, I stopped using Ledger two years ago because I find that the hardware itself is not quality hardware. I, it just, it, it, I've had, I've got two bricks that are with the Ledger logo on them and I've got one that's functional. And after that, I'm, I was done. I was just done. So I got a cold card. I highly recommend the cold card from CoinKite. That's Rodolfo Novak's outfit out of Canada. He makes really good hardware. And what I like about Novak is that he's more paranoid than you, I, and most of the people in this space put together when it comes to security of your Bitcoin. So I don't know if he's still running the uh, 15% off deal, but go over to CoinKite and check it out. Um, I can't remember what the code is. Actually, hold on. I might be able to get that for you. I think it's no KYC. Let me see if I can find it on my nifty knowledge management system. No KYC. Yeah, there it is. It's no KYC WSE. And everything is capitalized except for the O and the W. Again, that's no KYC WSE for 15% off. Go see, plug that thing in, see if it still gives you the 15% off discount. If there's a way that uh, if you do buy one and it's working and there's a way that you can tell them that the Bitcoin and podcast sent you, please do so. That would help with uh, getting informa- the information about the show out. Now, AI-generated hoax of Pentagon explosion sparks a brief market sell-off. This is important. Even if you, I, I know there's a lot of people out there that are just don't like the idea of AI. They don't want to hear about it. But you're going to have to because of shit like this. Decrypt.co, Jose Antonio Lanz is the one that's writing this one. This Monday marked a new high, or arguably low, in demonstrating the power of artificial intelligence. The picture depicting a fabricated explosion at the Pentagon 
Quickly flagged as being AI-generated, spread like wildfire across social media, it also appears to have spurred a monetary sell-off in the United States stock market. The alarming image portraying smoke billowing from the iconic building was disseminated by numerous accounts, including a Russia state-owned media channel. Interestingly, reports of a false Pentagon explosion also made its way onto non-official Twitter accounts with blue verification check marks, further amplifying the confusion and the impact of the falsehood, highlighting both the importance of rigorous source verification as well as the unsurprising result of Elon Musk's new criteria for account verifications. As the photo went viral, U.S. stock indices took a minor hit, although markets quickly recovered after the photo was exposed as a hoax. Bitcoin, the leading cryptocurrency, also experienced a brief flash crash following the spread of the fake news, slipping to 26,500, yet Bitcoin is slowly but surely recovering, and it is currently being traded at around $26,882. It is now past that, by the way. We'll get to it. The hoax's impact was significant enough to prompt the Arlington County Fire Department to intervene. Quote, there is no explosion or incident occurring at or near the Pentagon Reservation, and there is no immediate danger or hazards to the public, they tweeted. This type of online deceit has raised serious concerns among critics of unmitigated AI development. Many experts in the field have warned that advanced AI systems could become tools for malevolent actors worldwide, spreading misinformation and causing online pandemonium. This isn't the first time such trickery has emerged. Viral AI-generated images have previously deceived the public, such as images of Pope Francis sporting a Balenciaga jacket, a fake arrest of President Donald Trump, and deep fakes of celebrities like Elon Musk or Sam Bankman-Fried promoting crypto scams. Notable personalities have also sounded alarms about the spread of disinformation. Hundreds of tech experts already called for a six-month halt on advanced AI development until proper safety guidelines are established. And even Dr. Jeffrey Hinton, widely known as the godfather of AI, even resigned from his role at Google to voice his concerns about potential AI risks without damaging his former employer's reputation. Episodes of misinformation like this one feed into the ongoing debate surrounding the need for a regulatory and ethical framework for AI as AI becomes an increasingly potent tool in the hands of agents of disinformation. Oh, for God's sake. The consequences can be chaotic. Based on today's events, one question stands out. What if an AI was the agent using the power of social media to spread chaos and control the financial markets? We kind of saw it coming. And then they linked to another another uh, article of theirs. So that's the end of that one. Now, what to say about this? I'm not a fan of like, there's a, there's actually a person that I saw the other day and I can't remember her name, but she's a reporter for some news outlet and she is the disinformation news desk. I mean, it's like at one point or another, I'm waiting for disinformation czar to happen, right? So there's hysterics going on about disinformation, misinformation. It's been going on ever since 2016, Trump, the Trump election, Russia stuff, Russia Gate, all kind, all that. That's really when it sparked. And again, like AI, Noster, Bitcoin, and Lightning, it ain't going away. 
I don't like it. I think it is hysterics. However, this is real. This was a fake picture of an explosion at the Pentagon and it had immediate effects on the world's economy because the stock market of the United States, which is one of the very engines of the world economy right now, took a nose hit or a nosedive. That's significant. That's, that's why I say you can't sleep on AI. You've got to learn how it works, what it does. For some of you that, that are more inclined than others, then become a master at it. And I don't mean understanding the algorithms and all that. I mean, how do prompts work? What are the clients that you can use? What are the software packages that are available? What is the free and open source software version that's available? Can you download it? Do you have a, a computer powerful enough to run it with any, any type of, you know, well, almost anybody can run it. It depends on how much oomph your computer has as to whether it gets trained well and it becomes kind of, it has any kind of efficacy on the other end of, after the, all that training, but be that as it may, <clears throat> this kind of shit, this is like, in my opinion, this is a test balloon. This entire picture of the explosion at the Pentagon is a simple test to see just how far it can be pushed. And it's, they're going to continue to test it. And then that testing is going to turn into operations. Who's doing it? Why? I don't know. I don't care. But here's, here's the end of the story. You can no longer trust anything that you see, anything that you hear, and anything that you read if it's online. Eventually, that will filter through into Hollywood movies. It already kind of is, but there's, you know, if you're good enough, you can see the telltale signs of that kind of stuff. Um, but it'll filter into books that get published. It's already in, we already have major problems with scientific papers and these, thing called pa- these things called paper mills where a researcher that is just desperate to get published can literally pay a publisher, uh, usually in China, I think, <clears throat> to publish their paper and it looks like it's a scientific paper, but when you go through it and read it, it's just a bunch of garbage. There's been AI-generated scientific papers that have been accepted by prominent and well-known scientific publishers. All right, This is not going away. It's going to get worse, and for whatever reason, the default stance of humanity is to basically fuck with each other. So don't trust from here on out you really can't trust anything that you see, which sucks unless you're of the mind of trying to disengage with the wider world as it is anyway, for the reasons that I've talked about before, bad food, bad living conditions. The only thing putting a smile on your face is looking at your 401k. These are not the ways to live. And it looks like the ways to live that are being presented to us are becoming darker and more false. If you can grow your own food or even part of it, if, if the only people that you know are online, start learn, start getting to know your neighbors, make physical friends that you know are not fake because they're, you know, they're not a hologram because you can punch them in the shoulder or they can buy you a beer at a bar. Get, if we can get back to that, then this kind of shit will have a, 
a more minimal impact on your life. But dude, do not sleep on this crap because it's coming. It's here. How we use it in the future. I don't know, but you can't sleep on it. Back to Bitcoin. Bitcoin developer introduces ARC, a layer two protocol for fast and efficient payments. Bitcoin Magazine, BTC Casey. A Bitcoin developer by the name of Barack recently unveiled ARC, a layer two protocol designed to enable fast and secure transactions. According to a post on the Bitcoin dev mailing list, ARC offers an alternative scaling approach that allows users to send and receive funds without liquidity constraints, making it easier for recipients to get paid without an onboarding setup. Unlike other two, sorry, Unlike other layer two solutions like Lightning, Arc does not require the opening and closing of channels, reducing the on-chain footprint significantly. The protocol operates using virtual UTXOs, also known as VTXOs, which are short-lived notes that expire after four weeks. When a payment is made, existing VTXOs are redeemed and new ones are created. The anonymity of coin ownership is improved by restricting VTXO values to a range of SATs values. Users can acquire VTXOs from others or use a process called lifting, which allows them to lift their on-chain UTXOs off the chain for virtual UTXOs. The protocol introduces an intermediary called the ARC service provider, also known as ASP, ASP, which serves as a liquidity provider, CoinJoin coordinator, and Lightning service provider. ASPs create rapid, blinded CoinJoin sessions every five seconds, known as pools, which ensure the atomicity of payment schedules. Recipients can claim their funds through a TX lock condition that requires the connector outpoint to remain unchanged. ARC's integration with the Lightning Network allows users to attach HTLCs or the coming PTLCs to a pool transaction, enabling interoperability between the two protocols. Multiple ASPs can be used to pay Lightning invoices from different VTXO sources using multiple part payments. Payments on ARC are credited every five seconds, allowing users to spend their zero confirmation VTXOs immediately without waiting for on-chain confirmations. The developer behind ARC highlighted the protocol's potential for future extensions and improvements. A hypothetical data manipulation opcode could disincentivize double spending and users could forge an ASP's signature to reclaim their VTXOs in case of a double spend. Overall, ARC offers a promising solution for efficient and secure off-chain transactions on the Bitcoin network. For more information on ARC and its technical details, curious users are encouraged to visit arcpill.me forward slash deep hyphen dive. That's arcpill.me forward slash deep hyphen dive. Okay, this is important because it's a second layer too, and it doesn't It looks like it uses a completely different architecture than the Lightning Network, which is also a layer two. What I find fascinating here is that this thing has the chance to become interoperable with Lightning Network. So there's that type of connectivity is important. It always has been but it's certainly important here 
If you already have an existing set of channels and you kind of don't want to close them because of stacked and packed mempools and high fee environments or whatever, then maybe ARC is a way to lift those burdens off of the Lightning Network and put them somewhere else. We're going to have to see how this develops, but it's very exciting because we, honestly, there really hasn't been a good layer two solution that wasn't just leveraging something about Lightning in quite a while. I'm really excited about it personally. Uh, Let's see, oh, Binance, (laughs) God. Binance just can't get a break. Binance denies fund mismanagement allegations and calls it a conspiracy theory. Prashant Jha, Cointelegraph, crypto exchange Binance denies allegations of mismanagement of customers' funds. Binance denial came in response to a Reuters report that alleged that the crypto exchange commingled customer funds with companies' revenue. The Reuters report alleged that Binance violated U.S. banking regulations that require client money to be kept separate. The report alleged that the exchange in 2020 and 2021 mixed its corporate revenue with customer funds and that the commingling occurred every day, daily basis. Reuters cited three insiders with knowledge of the crypto exchange's finances and further claimed that the majority of commingling had occurred on accounts held at now bankrupt Silvergate Bank, with the amount having reached billions, that's billions with a B, of dollars. The report alleged that money from users was sent into the Silvergate account of Key Vision Development, a Seychelles-based company that Shangpeng Zhao, CEO of Binance, owned. Binance reportedly informed Silvergate that the Key Vision account's primary function was to collect dollar contributions from non-U.S. clients. The report alleged, wait, hold on, sorry. The the report further alleged that another Silvergate-based account linked to Binance's CEOs, Cayman Firm, was used to convert money into the dollar-linked token Binance USD. However, the Reuters report also noted that it found no evidence that Binance client monies were lost or taken. Cointelegraph reached out to Binance uh, for comments on these allegations and was directed to a Twitter response by Binance Chief of Communications Patrick Hillman. Hillman, in his tweet, called the Reuters report 1,000 words of conspiracy theories. The Binance executive explained that Reuters' entire claim is based on user deposit-based USD minting, where users were making a purchase of a stablecoin that was redeemable by Paxos, which was explicitly stated on the page. Solana head of strategy, Austin Federa, questioned why Hillman didn't specifically refute fund commingling claims, to which the Binance executive claimed that the exchange has addressed this issue on multiple occasions. Quote, We keep our user and corporate funds on completely separate ledgers. There is declining ROI on responding to these types of tabloid stories. We know who their sources are, and Reuters will be embarrassed when it becomes public, Hillman added. Okay, there's the threat. The recent slew of allegations over violations of U.S. banking laws against Binance comes within months of the Commodity Futures Trading Commission's lawsuit against the exchange. Uh, Could it be a coordinated attack on Binance and therefore crypto and Bitcoin in general? Possibly. Binance is a good target for it. Binance goes down and shit, you want to talk about a huge domino falling. Be worse. It'd probably be worse than a, a complete collapse of DCG, Grayscale, and um, Gemini or uh, Genesis. 
trading, which is all uh, Barry Silbert's outfits. But I don't know. I mean, are they commingling fund? It just, see, this begs the question. If you are making enough money, do you have to do illicit activities or things that are going to get you in trouble? Or do you do those things because you're not making enough money? It seems to me that it would be the the latter, right? But some, like lately, I'm just wondering if people just don't give a shit. They're making more money hand over fist and they're just lazy and start commingling funds even if they didn't have to. They're not really... They don't really need to leverage their customer deposits to save their bacon in case shit goes south like a duck in winter. But who knows? Who knows? So this threat from Hillman that says that Reuters is going to be embarrassed when they, uh, I guess they're going to release who it was that said that and then destroy their reputation on the street. Uh, who knows? It, it'll be interesting to watch, but it's not going, it's not going to help matters very much. Uh, now this one, let's get into Noster Zap. <coughs> zap any Noster in pub, but from anywhere. No bullshit Bitcoin, which is nobsbitcoin.com has this one. Uh, add a Noster Zap target ID to an element on your site and specify a target in pub using a data in pub attribute. Optionally, you can specify relays that you'd like to zap receipt published to using a data hyphen relays attribute. If you don't add a data hyphen relays attribute, the zap receipt will be blasted out to the top of the top 300 relays using blaster. If the user doesn't have an EXT that supports NIP 07 installed or does not authorize signing the zap event, an anonymous zap will be sent. So what this looks like it is, is that now I can zap an NPUB and I don't even have to be like on an Oster client. Like I could set up my website, like if I had a website and I had a, somebody's NPUB set up and I used this Noster zap target to target that and then I had a zap button, right? I, which I think is the Noster zap target ends up probably being a button. Then it says, well, what do you want to zap? And I say, okay, well, every time somebody hits this button, on my website, it zaps JB55 for Domus development. So you don't even have to be logged into a client of Noster anymore to be able to zap a Noster NPUB. Or, well, you technically an NPUB, but only if that NPUB is set up with the ability to collect uh, zaps. So not bad. Coming along, guys. It's coming along. It's going to be interesting to see what can be done with this. Let's run the numbers. West Texas Intermediate crude is up 1.8% to $73.35. Brent North Sea, 1.67% to the upside, $77.26. Natural gas is almost 2% to the downside, $2.35. Per thousand gasoline is up one and a half to two point no two dollars and sixty eight cents per gallon. Uh, poor metals, they're not having a good day. Gold down a third to nineteen seventy and ninety cents. Silver is down one point one eight percent. Platinum is down one point six nine. Copper is down point seven seven, and palladium is down two point three six percent. 
Ag not doing all that great either. Biggest winner today is wheat, 1.9% to the upside. Corn is also in the green. Everything on my screen uh, is in the red other than those. Biggest loser today looks like it's going to be soybeans, 1.64% to the downside. Live cattle is down a third. Lean hogs down 1.8. Feeder cattle down a third. Dow is moving straight sideways. S&P is down a third. NASDAQ is down 0.41%. And S&P mini is down a quarter of a percent. Real money is at $27,307.29. We apparently had a bump last night. Uh, that's after what 268,000 BTC have been sent around the horn in the past 24 hours with an average transaction value of 0.49 BTC, a median transaction value of $20. Yay. Block time still low nine minutes, 14 seconds. Uh, we have 0.46 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis, 72.6 taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. So the miners are happy. With a 3.61% rise in hash rate, we're still below 400 at 380.78 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator is Doge, 7.3 United States pennies. That should tell you what the rest of the shitcoin field is doing. We have a $528.9 billion market cap. That is just a hair under golds or a 4% of gold's entire market cap. There's 19,381,474.5 BTC in circulation and 5,337.9 of those are in the Lightning Network valued at $145.7 million. We have 71,554 payment channels that we know about. 63.4% of all Lightning Network activity is running over Tor. It looks like we have an estimated difficulty change of 1.2% to the upside coming in May the 31st, 2023. Mempools are are way packed and stacked. Today, we are looking at 228 blocks carrying 310 unconfirmed transactions waiting to clear. And anything under 12.2 Satoshis per V-byte, those transactions are being purged from default mempools. <clears throat> 39 Satoshis per V-byte is your low priority transaction fee. Your high priority transaction fee or next block action is 49 Satoshis per V-byte. I am still in the top 10, but hanging on by my fingernails in the fountain charts. Uh, Bitcoin and podcast coming in at number 10, and I've got three boosts. I got Fitoshi at 6102 says, you can't handle the boost. I can. I can. I've got room in my Lightning wallet for all the boosts that you want to send, and they are always appreciated. Thank you, Fitoshi. Uh, Acerus underscore BTC with 2718 says, Acerus, R. I think it's R. Was it A R C E R I S? I don't know how to pronounce that. I I just don't. Arcerus. We'll do that one. In the English garden's core thrives the balking for comfrey lore with leaves so wide and flowers pure. It heals the sore of that. Be sure a green miracle forevermore. Oh, it's a nice little poem about comfrey. I like that. Nick underscore dose with a two, three, four, five says, cheers. Also, seems like the end of your show was cut off. Ooh, just kind of ends as you were discussing how there's no mechanism in Bitcoin to fight ordinals other than attacking with your own transactions. Okay, well, I looked. Thanks, Nick. I, I appreciate you telling me that. Um, 
I'm assuming that you were listening to it on Fountain. Um, I know that Fountain picks up my RSS feed out of SoundCloud, and I went on SoundCloud to go see, and the show is is uh, is a whole. There's no cutoffs as far as what you know in the RSS feed on that particular show. So I don't know what what happened. Maybe it did. Maybe it started buffering or something and just shut down. You know, because fountains. You know. It's not exactly, um, oh, how should I say it? I love Fountain. It's my favorite podcasting 2.0 app, but there's, there are some issues. And that's the only thing that I can think of because the entire, the wave file in its entirety or the MP3 in its entirety got over to SoundCloud and it ends exactly where it's supposed to end. So I don't know what to tell you, but dude, thanks for letting me know. Um, I'll look into that a little bit, uh, a little bit further. Anyway. That's the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news you can use. And speaking of part two, how does FTX 2.0 sound to you guys? We, we may be looking at it. Prashant Jha, Cointelegraph, FTX 2.0 launching soon. Court filing shows a reboot plan is in the works. Oh, yay. We, we just continue to not learn shit. Bankrupt crypto exchange FTX's rival plans or revival plans could soon become a reality as new CEO John Ray is working on a reboot plan per the last court filing. In a May the 22nd court filing reviewed by Cointelegraph, the FTX team shared a compensation report highlighting the work done by Ray during the Chapter 11 bankruptcy. The review report mentioned a series of activities undertaken by Ray to ensure the debtor's best interests. However, the mentioning of rebooting FTX caught the crypto community's attention. Ray first talked about rebooting the troubled crypto exchange in January. At the time, news reports suggested that the bankrupt crypto exchange had discovered $5.5 billion in liquid assets, with the new CEO working with creditors on a revival plan. In April, another report suggested the exchange had recovered $7.3 billion in assets and the FTX team plans to restart the exchange by the second quarter of 2024. The latest court filing documents suggest a reboot plan is definitely under consideration. The court document highlights that the new CEO has scheduled a series of meetings with creditors and debtors in the past month. Some key topics of the meeting involve planning for structuring the exchange, reviewing plans for restarting the exchange, and finalizing the material required for rebooting the crypto exchange as FTX 2.0. According to the document, it appears FTX will be entering a bidding process. The news about the FTX reboot also boosted the price of the native FTX token known as FTT, which jumped by over 13% as news about the relaunch became public. We're just, we're just hairless apes, man. The court documents brought relief to the hairless ape community, or actually crypto community, with many lauding Ray's efforts to revive the exchange that owes billions to its creditors. Popular crypto Twitter influencer DGen Spartan claimed that FTX 2.0 could be the maximum path to recovery for all parties involved. Bullshit. He stated that many creditors would sell cheaply just to get out of those pools of assets and it could eventually turn the crypto exchange solvent again. However, 
Not everyone was as keen on the reboot process as many claimed that the origin of the exchange itself was based on a fraudulent philosophy. One Twitter user said allowing FTX to resume operations would be a sinister move. Quote, FTX literally has blood on its hands from all the plucking they have done to our industry, the user said. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. The FTX reboot should never happen. It's probably going to happen because it never should happen. That's, that's the way this industry seems to be working. Hey, do you have a bad idea that was provably bad and screwed up like thousands of people's futures forever and ever? Let's do it again. That seems to be the crypto industry. Ugh, it's so sad to watch it all. It's just all so tiring. This is tiring too, because I really like Amboss, but out of no bullshit Bitcoin, no bsbitcoin.com comes this one. Amboss privacy policy raises concerns about sharing user information with third parties. Now, before I do this one, let's be clear. Amboss has been doing things like this for a while. All right. Okay. So it's not like there's no precedent for this when it comes to Amboss, but here's some details of what's going on now. Stacker.news user, oh God, it's at a bunch of numbers, started a discussion concerning privacy policy of Amboss Technologies. Quote, it would appear that Amboss Technologies is collecting personal information about the Lightning Network and its users and selling it to third parties as chain analytics software for or, or for the purposes of risk management in their own words. This is according to their very own privacy policy, and that privacy policy is linked in this article. Quote, the amount of information they have collected and want to collect should alarm all users of Lightning, even those that have not given Amboss or Thunderhub, the wallet they collect data through, access to their node information. Quote, they have claimed 30% of the Lightning Network has registered for their services, which is dangerous considering their power to de-anonymize the network, the user stated. For example, we may collect information from advertising networks and data analytics providers. This information may include your name, email address, and phone number. By the way, this is coming from Amboss Privacy Policy. We will also use vendors that provide background information about social media profiles we collect and information about the source of funds from the transaction IDs referenced above. We may also work with identity verification vendors to conduct Know Your Customer or Know Your Business checks. We collect information about nodes on the Lightning Network, including the alias, color, features, public key, balance information, and size of the backup. Quote, there's a certain point where privacy policies are generic enough that say something along the lines of, quote, this information you have provided us may be used to provide services to you in return, end quote, and may even feature some language such as third-party software providers that might have access to the information as well. However, all the language here is very much catered toward what they are trying to do, which is to over-collect as much as they can to sell your financial data and identity, the user concluded. So be aware, even if you don't use Amboss like I use Amboss, um, you're, you're at risk. Everybody's at risk for this. What's the answer? Other layer two technologies. And what's gonna happen to those layer two technologies? People like Amboss is going to collect data 
Humans love data. We love to collect it. We also like to sell it to each other, right? So if you can't collect it firsthand, you know, by, through your own own company, your own mechanizations, your own thing, then you can collect it by paying somebody for it. And people pay tooth and nail for data of all kinds. This is no different. I wish that Amboss wasn't doing this. It does piss me off. But this is the environment you have to navigate. You can't wish things away. You can't just be mad and then magically they disappear. It doesn't work that way. Hard forking, soft forking, making threats about how you're going to, I don't know, cancel somebody or, or delete somebody or, or not buy their products. It, none of this shit really matters in the end. What really matters in the end is what data are you leaking and do you know where your leaks are and do you know what data you're leaking? If you can identify that, then it's up to you to be able to plug those holes. Some of them you can plug, some of them you can't plug. If you don't want lightning data to be used against you, then don't run a lightning node or whatever. But honestly, I don't think, I honestly don't think it's worth it. I think it's worth it to run the lightning node. Amboss is going to do what Amboss is going to do. Be not afraid. Just don't be afraid about it, right? It doesn't mean be stupid about it. It just means don't not do something because you can't stop it. Just say it. First RGB powered NFT marketplace launches at Bitcoin 2023. Again, I'm bringing you this because it's not going away. So you might as well know about what's going on. BTC, KC, Bitcoin Magazine, DIBA or D-I-B-A, <clears throat> the first Bitcoin NFT marketplace utilizing RGB smart contracts has officially launched on mainnet. According to a press release sent to Bitcoin Magazine, the platform also introduces BitMask, an exclusive Bitcoin-only wallet capable of storing unique digital assets, also known as UDAs, such as music and art. The UDAs will be hosted on high availability storage and cloud service provided by HUT8, a publicly traded Bitcoin miner in North America. Deba aims to bring Bitcoin utility to the masses by enabling the exchange of UDAs on a decentralized and censorship-resistant network. Notable Bitcoin investors, including Tim Draper of Draper Associates and Bill Tai of Actui Unicorn Fund, support the venture. Gideon Nuiz, founder and CEO of Deba, expressed his excitement about the launch, stating, quote, This marks a major milestone in the transition of the internet onto Bitcoin, end quote. Tim Draper also commended Deba's innovative approach, emphasizing the potential of NFTs on Bitcoin. He said, quote, what Gideon and the team at Deba have built is a testament to the potential NFTs on Bitcoin. <laughs> Hold on. Let me do that again. What Gideon and his team at Deba have built is a testament to the potential NFTs on Bitcoin hold in capturing the creative and sovereign spirit of the next generation, end quote. Deba's partnership with HUT8 is an example of the optimism surrounding Bitcoin in Layer 1 and 2 protocols. Josh Rayner, VP of High Performance Computing at HUT8, expressed support for the Bitcoin NFT platform, stating, quote, We are bullish on Bitcoin and the potential of Layer 1 and Layer 2 protocols 
and are proud to support Diba's Bitcoin NFT platform with high availability storage and cloud services, end quote. According to the press release, the Diba marketplace utilizes both the RGB smart contract protocol on Bitcoin, as well as the Lightning Network to maximize the efficiency of the marketplace's function. Okay, so there's this, there's this sentence in this that I want to get, to, I want to reread. This marks a major milestone in the transition of the internet onto Bitcoin. What, given what we just read about UDAs mixed with that sentence, what does this mean? What if YouTube, each video was a UDA and God forbid, I, I know it's, it, it sucks, but here it is written as an RGB smart contract placed on the Bitcoin blockchain and then all of a sudden, the, all the data is available on the chain. This is bad. I get it, right? But let's, let's pretend that somebody used AI or something like that to code up the most insane compression schema ever, where you could take four gigabytes of video data and compress it down into 250 kilobytes. I know, I get it. Not going to happen, but just pretend with me for a second then that compressed version is put into UDA and then that thing is put on Bitcoin's layer one or even possibly somebody who has a, like a light, let's say maybe it could be written into a lightning channel transaction, but only in payment channels that have a contract attached to them that are 100 year contracts, which means they don't ever get closed. Those payment channels never close down for a hundred years. So for the next hundred years, right? The, that payment channel, which hopefully is somehow or another backed up on other lightning nodes and has failover capacity would hold that 250 kilobyte compression pack, compressed package of a four gigabyte movie. Well, what would that do? Well, Jesus, what, honestly, kind of what wouldn't it do? Now I'm not a proponent of this because People get lazy and they just want to throw everything on the Bitcoin, on Bitcoin layer one. That's not helpful. However, the idea of a unique digital asset, such as a song, let's actually just say it's a song, not even a whole movie, just a single song. And then every time somebody played that song and accessed the smart contract for the UDA, they're presented with a, well, it's uh, 1500 Satoshis as part of the transaction process of accessing that UDA, wherever that UDA may live. We don't really know. All we could, humans have, again, human hairless apes that we are, we have this tendency to only see the bad things and never try to figure out, well, let's skip the bad things for now. Is it possible that there's something good out of this? Okay, well, obviously this, pulls all the teeth out of Google, Facebook, almost all social media, Instagram, uh, most song platforms like, I mean, even SoundCloud would be kind of like going, well, fuck, nobody really needs our, our infrastructure. All of a sudden things are more democratized. I'm not saying that's what it will become. I'm saying that that's what it can become, but I don't want to see it come at the expense 
of my node lighting itself on fire because somebody wants to put 100,000 terabytes of data onto the Bitcoin blockchain. But Michael Saylor is kind of into this kind of thing. And again, you need to know because Michael Saylor holds a shit ton of Bitcoin. MicroStrategies, Michael Saylor, early Bitcoin BRC20 uses may be illegal. Oh, Decrypt.co, Andre Bogansky and Pedro Salamano is writing. Michael Saylor has become one of the few Bitcoin maximalists to publicly embrace ordinals. Ordinal inscriptions are similar to NFTs. Yes, we know all that. Over the past couple of weeks, however, ordinals and BRC20 tokens have taken center stage as transaction fees skyrocketed. It has kicked off many a discussion within the Bitcoin community over whether the network was being attacked and if these transactions should be censored. Sailor chatted with Decrypt at the Bitcoin 2023 conference in Miami last week about ordinals, BRC20 inscriptions, and whether they might constitute unregistered securities. Sailor has embraced ordinals as a positive development on the Bitcoin network, although he said many of the early use cases aren't terribly serious and veer toward being more speculative. One of the top performing Bitcoin ordinal collections has been Bitcoin Frogs, according to Crypto Slam. It's a spinoff of the Pepe the Frog meme coin craze that's taken the NFT community by storm. Quote, if BRC20 tokens are viewed as fungible tokens to issue unregistered securities, there's a lot of objection to that because it's unethical. It's illegal. And you can't blame the community for objecting to that. End quote, Sailor said. However, if they are issued and regulated in an ethical and legal manner, he said, there's no issue. It all comes down to the use case and the perception. Quote, what if I was using them to tokenize all of the stocks and ETFs trading on the NASDAQ so that individuals can take personal custody of their shares of stock instead of leaving them locked up with a centralized custodian? If it was presented that way, then Bitcoiners would love it. End quote. I'm not so sure. Maybe. According to the MicroStrategy co-founder and executive chairman, however, he sees economically sound use cases, but he can also imagine unethical and stupid things. Like many Bitcoiners, Saylor believes it's best to let the free market function. People should invest in what they believe in and are free to criticize something that they think is silly but should not work to censor them. Despite warnings of possible unregistered security offerings and strong pushback from parts of the community, Saylor is against censoring ordinal transactions on the Bitcoin network. Quote, do I think we should modify the protocol to censor certain types of transactions? My answer is no, he said. And I agree. I don't think we should be even talking about censoring any valid Bitcoin transaction. The key word there is valid. If it works on the Bitcoin network, it's a valid transaction because all Bitcoin understands is transactions. And a few other, a couple of other things, but honestly, what we're really talking about is Bitcoin looks at something that it gets and says, is this a transaction? Reads it. Yeah, that's a transaction. Doesn't care what's in it. It doesn't, it doesn't have any idea what's in it. So it can't care what's in that transaction. At the social layer, we start talking about hard forks, soft forks, censorship, filters, all this kind of garbage. It's not helpful for Bitcoin. So then I will we'll get accused for, well, then you think ordinals are good for Bitcoin. I don't want to say yes, but I also don't want to say no. 
I really want to sit on the fence on this one because the only thing that I care about is, are you suggesting that I am making a transaction that you don't like so that that transaction should be made invalid? If that's what you're telling me, then go pound sand. I don't care if it contains a frog or the purchase of a new car for my daughter on her 16th birthday. Either one of those may be objectionable to people. Have you ever seen a 16-year-old drive a car? Kind of objectionable, right? <laughs> so my purchase of a, of a car, an automobile that can you know run over somebody and kill them to be operated by my 16-year-old daughter when she becomes 16, that could be very much thought of as an objectionable transaction. I have every right to make that transaction, just like I have every right to make a frog transaction. It doesn't matter what you or I want. It's what Bitcoin allows. And if Bitcoin allows it, that's the way it is. <laughs> just saying, I'm just saying. Uh, let's go ahead and end it there. That's gonna do it for the morning roundup. Tuesday, joke day. Dad says, joke day. What's blue and smells like red paint? Blue paint. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Transactions come in many different colors. Colors that you can't even fathom. But they all smell like transactions to me. And because they smell like a transaction, I'm good with it. I don't care if it's Pepe the Frog. I don't care if it's a car for my 16-year-old daughter. I don't care. Is it a valid transaction? That's what I care about. Is it a double spend transaction that Bitcoin doesn't allow? That's what I care about. Is it some other kind of transaction that somehow or another causes other people to lose wealth? Like directly, I mean being able to steal from your wallet right? Not using block space because you want to use that block space. You want to use the block space, then you need to pay for the block space. We've always known this was coming. We just didn't know when. It looks like it's here because at 228 blocks waiting on the mempool to clear, yet with only a 49 Satoshi per V-byte high priority transaction fee and the introduction to the accelerator button in mpool m mempool.space that allows you to be able to accelerate your transaction and pay on the other end for next block access, the market is speaking. All you have to do is listen to it talk to you. What is the market saying to you? It doesn't matter that its first sentence made you cringe. What was the second sentence? What is the third sentence? Read the entire paragraph that the market is providing you and the market will tell you what it wants, what it is doing, what it is most likely to do in the future. But you have to listen to the, what the market is saying. If you refuse to listen to what the market is saying, you're kind of doomed, right? Just because you're lot, put your fingers in yours and la, 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 I can't hear you, I can't hear you. You're just going to get your ass handed to you. You can still hate ordinals. I hate them too. I'll, we can go to the bar and I will buy you a beer 
and we will sit there and we will talk about how ordinals are stupid. And we'll do that all night long. And I will absolutely 100% agree with everything you say until you say we should censor them. And at that point, I get up off my bar stool and I walk out. I'm just not going to do it anymore. I went through that shit in 2017. I don't ever want to go through that crap again. It was a bad, bad time. It was like waking up with, it's like get like if you're a guy and you've ever been kicked in the crotch, you get a good rack, right? It feels like, it felt like that for, honestly, it felt like that for months where it was just this sinking pit in your stomach like you swallowed a glob of despair. I don't ever want to see that shit happen again. I'm just, it, whether it's advice or I'm just pleading with you, I, however you want to take it, don't be hysterical about all this. We are nowhere close to the end of the road for what can be done with Bitcoin. And if every single thing that can be thought of that can be done with Bitcoin just pisses you off, then look forward to being pissed off every single day. I don't want to be pissed off every single day. I don't want you to be pissed off every single day. It doesn't do anybody any good. Plus, again, going back to what, oh God, what was it? Hold on. I got, I got to, I got to, I got to find this again. Hold on. Do, 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 do. Uh, the, the RGB powered NFT marketplace. Okay. It really does look like what this is trying to do is take elements of what we know as the modern web that we all know and love, like Wikipedia, and turning each particular entry, or at least having the capacity for every single entry to be a unique digital asset. Like like uh, Journey's, in, you know, the band Journey, their entire musical catalog, every single album, every single song turned into a UDA. We were talking about this when NFTs first hit Ethereum. And we were like, well, God, we're glad it's over there. Well, now it's over here. Because the market is speaking. The market is telling you a story. And if you're too pissed off to listen to the story, I don't know how to help you. Right? You can listen to the whole story and still be pissed off, but at least you did the effort. You took the effort to listen to what the market was telling you. There's a lot of stuff that goes on in the modern world, even before Bitcoin came into being, that I didn't agree with. The market was still telling me the story, but I wasn't listening. I was too, too mad. 2008, I'm mad. I'm mad about what the market's doing. Maybe I should have actually listened to what the market was saying. If I'm not going to make that mistake again. I'm going to listen to what the market's saying. I still don't like ordinals. I still don't like inscriptions. I still don't like BRC20s. I'm not sure I like this whole NFT marketplace utilizing RGB smart contracts. But it doesn't matter what I want. It's the market. Is it a valid market decision? In other words, you may not like the outcome of a market decision, but is it a valid decision, much like is it a valid Bitcoin transaction? If both those are the case, then both of them need to not be censored. It's, it's, it's a hard pill. This is one of those uh, hard to swallow pills. You can listen to me. You cannot listen to me. But 
if what I'm reading with this NFT marketplace utilizing RGB contracts is, is anywhere close to correct, it's going to start pulling all of the stuff that we know is the legacy web that we use and putting it into places where it's more decentralized. At what cost is my only question. At what level of disruption to me being able to make that transaction with, you know, to be able to buy my 16-year-old daughter when she turns 16 a car, you know, turn a, a deadly weapon into the hands of a 16-year-old girl. <laughs> Do the math, okay? They're not exactly the best drivers. They're not exactly attentive, and now they're all hooked to their cell phones. That may not be a good transaction idea for you, but is it a valid transaction to Bitcoin? Is utilizing RGB contracts to put elements of the web that we know and love today into a more decentralized position with a different type of access, not level of, but a different type of access. Is it valid? You know, is it, is it, it may piss you off, but the real question is, okay, it pisses me off, but is it valid? If it's valid, then we got to deal with it because if we try to invalidate it, we introduce noise into the pure systems that are Bitcoin, Lightning. And the more noise we have injected into those systems, the less the market is able to tell us clearly what the market wants, what it's doing, and what it's likely to do in the future. I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and... And I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.